0: Um, what is up? Well, my cat has decided, uh, just as we started recording, to come say hello. I don't know if you can hear it. a little pitter-patter no. of feet. That's good. No,
1: it's not. Uh, when you said that, I'm imagining it's walking over your head and your face. So,
0: <laughs> it was almost going to walk on the keyboard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But lots of changes. You're in a new apartment today, right? I just saw. Yeah. Before we got on the call. It's
1: funny. We moved one door down. So, That's so not funny. The, it seems the,
0: like the, the most like uh, efficient yeah. <laughs> way to move. Always just move have it one any... unit to the right or left.
1: Well, it, it, there's this phenomenon that I read about uh, windfall economics. So you, you win the lottery or you, you have a sudden increase in income, but it's not consistent, which mm-hmm. happened to me. And then one of the things they said is don't buy an expensive house because then all of a sudden you have expenses mm. that you aren't prepared for and all that shit. So... We thought about all kinds of options, but the neighbors were leaving, and it's a really nice apartment, a little bit bigger than ours, and more windows, and so that's the move right now.
0: I mean, it sounds more echoey. Like, to our listeners, it sounds like you're in a much well, better space.
1: It's funny. We, we were moving all our stuff, and our couch didn't fit. Like couldn't get it <laughs> in the door, so we had to get rid of it, so we, we ordered a new couch today.
0: Did you try pivoting it? Did you... we tried everything my my friend
1: austin lee uh, came to help and like we tried every geometric geometric option like turn it 360 minus one yeah no you you know like like when you imagine when you're working in illustrator like mirror it flip it horizontal vertical we tried every possible direction and it just nope okay yeah the apartment's bigger but the entrance is uh, in a corner so
0: so does that mean new couch? Your windfall will lead to a new couch then?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a bigger rug and things like that. So that if you're hearing echo, the apartment's still a bit empty. No, oh, yeah. Which is uh, is the way I like it, but unfortunately that's uh, not how it goes.
0: <laughs> Turns out though for podcasting, like a cluttered home is yeah, the best it's better. for acoustics. Yeah.
1: But the the yeah, the move was funny cuz it it it's that close that it's actually better not to pack, but we just had a cart, like a shopping cart, and you just put stuff in and then put, a, put it in its place in a new apartment. And like, it's a waste of time to put it in a box.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I would yeah. have, like, almost, like, uh, cut a hole in the wall and just toss things in <laughs> through the yeah, hole. Yeah, I mean,
1: we, we almost considered renting both apartments and then cutting a hole in the middle, but the, the landlord was not very into that idea, so... Uh, mm-hmm. No. I mean, you, you have the space issue since working from home thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I've, res, I've kind of figured out a resolution, which was to, every space has to be two spaces in a small space, right? So you have to think about like, okay, this could be for eating, and then sometimes it could be for working, and this could be for watching TV. Other times it could be for presenting to... In studio visits or something like that. Yeah, uh, um, I think Japanese people and people who live in like Hong Kong and stuff, like places where there are tiny spaces, they're often thinking like, not how do I get more space, but how do I make this space well even more in flexible. A traditional
1: Japanese home, it, it's it's kind of like a an app platform, like it's a mobile phone, and you then you install the sleeping app, and then you install the dining app, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's just. The, the space is like an empty desktop and you keep launching different applications.
0: Well, what's amazing is if like you take an international flight, you know, first class, they've got like essentially they've created a little apartment out of like what would be considered a closet like space and people consider it a luxury. They're like, ooh, <laughs> yeah. I have so much space. I have space to eat. I yeah. have space to work. I have space to entertain myself, a blanket. I but can that's... sleep. that's
1: also as bizarre like from one point of view it's bizarre that you're happy with that little space and on the other end it's bizarre how much people complain about travel and it's like you're in a floating chair going to the other side of the world without having to (laughs) run or walk or anything and you're like oh man it's fucking boring the wi-fi sucks the food sucks i can't believe it and it's like do you realize how amazing this is but yeah. Yeah. I wonder what. I, yeah, I, the, I just imagine in in twenty or thirty years, people will complain about the food on the way to the moon. so well, you yeah. Have to fly to the moon again. Oh my god, it's so lame. I, I was I just thinking the same thing. A, the is there Atlantic. like a,
0: is there a version of Star Trek where like Spock is like, God, my apartment is tiny. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly. Like, it's illogical. Yeah. <laughs> small. it was kind
1: of a room. They were spacious. Huh, those rooms. This i
0: know i feel like that was complete nonsense right because like given the amount of energy it would take to move yeah you know, that...
1: compare that to the dust boat have you seen that movie
0: yeah
1: about the submarine in the world war yeah II? exactly yeah yeah
0: yeah submarines yeah, are no the picnic. most economic use of space right war if...
1: movies like world war one and world war two movies are always a good thing to know that progress is possible that life can be better we, like sometimes it feels like our life sucks it's stressful but it's like oh boy that was mm-hmm. a difficult time at did least you? we're all
0: not living inside of submarines
1: yeah did we <laughs> did we discuss 1917 the movie
0: back in our movie review days yeah that's a good segue into today's topic actually um yeah i can't recall but yeah that's a, did a great did you see it yeah i did like i, I was actually remembering it recently cuz i was near the theater where i saw it yeah. Um, which was a grubby theater. It reminded me why, like, you know, going to the theater stopped being a luxury. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, mean, the, I do remember so many, the sound being great.
1: Yeah, but there's so many historical events that put the present in, in check where you, you might think that you have a rough week and then you look at the past or other people. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. take it easy. It's not so bad. Yeah, put it in
0: context. Well, I'm glad that you've had a windfall and kept it in perspective because that's the I mean, I've lived in the same place my whole adult life. Yeah, it just...
1: (laughs) I I, I don't know if... if, uh, I I can't predict anything. No one can predict anything. But it seems in the digital, there are these moments, like the beginning of apps, and you could make a lot of money making silly apps. And then after a while, you can still make good money making apps, but you have to work hard and it becomes... Mm. uh, You know, there's like a going rate and people... I don't know, So it, it, it d- yeah, seems a little bit the same. And so I see a future in it, just, I see a great future, but not a win the lottery every week kind of future. Well, for
0: a lot of people living in New York is winning the lottery. It's like a, you know, it's already hard enough to make it there, right, if you make it in New yeah, York. Yeah, or you ha- anyway. first
1: have to win the lottery to be able to go, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think um, ultimately for me, I optimize for, as you know, choice. Like I'm always creating the most number of options for myself. But I kind of keep all my costs fixed, so I don't upgrade anything unless it's the last ditch. That's why I'm on my new MacBook Pro. But let me tell you, it's worth the wait.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How is and, it? Um, is it a warm it was bath? Great.
0: Warm bath, but I made a mistake um, that I didn't expect. Like, So at first, I was actually a little bit disappointed because... The suspense um, is killing me. Yeah, like I got I got the new computer. I was like, oh well, I might as well transfer everything from my old computer just to get started sooner. You know, they suggest that using like, you know, your time machine yeah, backup do that. or
1: something. Yeah, 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 I do that.
0: But yeah. and so I started using the computer. I was like, mm, you know what? This like n- not everything seems faster. Like you know, in the browser it seems it's actually taking a long time to load Hangouts and meetings. And uh, you know, that's not even why I got this. But let me go do some three D stuff. And mm, I don't know. This doesn't seem great. Then or I realized, you like, um, I, you know, I was like, oh, I kind of felt sick to my stomach. And then I realized, I was like, oh my God, these are all like Intel apps <laughs> that, you know, are transcoding through Rosetta. Yeah. I didn't install any native apps. Like, and, and the Mac didn't like warn me, like, hey, you no, know, there's because like a. You can
1: run those fine. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it was kind of the same as my old computer, actually. What it Some things were kind of slower, and I was like, mm, this doesn't say. right. But
1: also, I think a lot of, you know, I read and listen, watch all those reviews. I'm addicted to that stuff. But mm-hmm. the first two days of your computer, your computer's indexing a lot of stuff and doing maintenance in the background. So often reviewers are like, hey, this computer sucks. And then two days later, it's like, oh, never mind.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm on all native stuff now. and It's super snappy. I've done my first like 3D renders. Um, you know, like I'm able to do, you know, I was funny last week, I was talking about time, but I actually think like, you'll just absorb time <laughs> if it's there. And so I was like, what, yeah. you know, how far can I push this? Like, can I do liquid simulations or something like that? You know, so like oh, yeah, I yeah. immediately so tried can... doing the thing that would have been impossible to do.
1: <laughs> but is it, is it with the life, um, the stuff you use for your performances with AR? Is that something that, is so specific to the PC world that it's still kind of slow on Mac. Or?
0: No, it's already all optimized for Metal, so it's in it's in good shape. Which which, um,
1: which apps do you use for your live? Uh,
0: so I, uh, for a lot of times now, I just use Lens Studio, which has um, become like the de facto standard for AR authorship. Like it's Snap, Snap, uh, the company, the camera company, the social media company, they have a tool called Lens Studio. It you and, might have heard like Facebook has a tool
1: enough. Uh, um, yeah conceptual room for you to really try whatever you can dream of
0: yeah it's very powerful but if i if it if it's not flexible enough i'll fall back on um max msp which i've used since i was like a basically a child Uh, (laughs) and i did my the test i always run on that is like uh, like a like a multiple particle test like how many particles can I have on screen at a, at a time that are 3D cubes like spinning around and it was like easily yeah. 10 times as many as previous actually I think it was oh, more than that it was like an exponent greater um, that's funny so, yeah. I,
1: I just imagine like old Jeremy had uh, let's say your character had 40 distinct muscles and now all of a sudden <laughs> you have 4000 and you yeah. look like the Hulk you know.
0: yeah. yeah there's a lot more <laughs> yeah. there but, um, but so it's exciting.
1: Uh, yeah. So this week's question.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. And the segue, segue was like you mentioned that. 1917, and this is a question from a listener who actually liked our movie reviews. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I
1: don't know. Like, I, I, there's a couple of weird podcasts that I listen to, and there's one that's like a, a heavy metal podcast. They interview bands that are on tour, and it's always kind of the same. Yeah. And they started reviewing movies from their point of view because oh, they not stole our movie. they stole our idea. And they just review bad 80s movies. And it's like, oh, this is really fun. And I like that more than the regular podcast. So, yeah, who knows? Mm.
0: Well, we can always throw a movie in from time to time. I've been trying to go to the movie theater again. Are you? Yeah.
1: You're obsessed with... uh, I I said, can we record at 8? And you said, oh, can we do it earlier? Because you wanted to see Succession.
0: You got to watch it. Yeah, Succession Live. It's uh, the only TV... It's a TV event every week. It's Mm. exciting.
1: But it's... Do you think... I always think that there's this universal storyline hook academy where you just learn like do A, B, C, and D and people get hooked. Mm-hmm. It's like the soap opera build yeah. up to create a few characters, then create a dance yeah, for the Yeah, There's character. a book on
0: that for called Resonate by Nancy Duarte yeah. uh, that p- shows like how Martin Luther King and Star Wars have the exact same formula. <laughs> yeah, like it's that. just
1: like just in, in the restaurant world, there's like sugar, salt, and butter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I just
1: read a book, uh, um, Quality Land, which is about the tyranny of convenience that, you know, things are so convenient, nobody can resist. Mm -hmm. It's a near sci fi story, but they have this food they call sasafu or something like salt, sugar, fat. (laughs) And you just eat uh, like bags of sasafu. Sounds
0: tasty. Yeah. Sounds like pork rinds or something.
1: It's probably caramel esque. I would imagine yeah
0: mm-hmm. well but i mean anyway <laughs> so, but, what, but what's the question because yeah we, it's so the question is like a...
1: coming from tom johnson and it's it's a question about uh, the story of the artist and the persona and the the legend and the myth and the
0: everything Should we read uh, his question uh, or sure go ahead yeah okay let me see here fire up the old text viewer okay hey jeremy and Raphael. i hope you're both well I've been really enjoying your questions, podcasts, although I did really appreciate your film reviews, as I said earlier, and saw some really interesting things I otherwise wouldn't have. As someone who doesn't watch an awful lot of films, The New Direction is more keeping with my interests. Hmm, I see. Um, So his question is, my question is about creating a narrative around your work and personality. How have your opinions changed throughout your career? Do you think it's important to form a broader, overarching story around the delivery of your work? Or is it more useful or the narrative to create itself as a side effect of making the work. Hmm. So that's the question. What do we think? What's our
1: answer? I. It's funny because if you had asked me when I was twenty, twenty-two or twenty-three, mm-hmm. I was always under the impression that art is ninety like percent networking and ten percent making. And as time went by, I really think it's the work itself, and that we. We think we have to build a story around it. But it might not be true, and I have no idea.
0: Mm, but the work itself does tell a story, usually.
1: Yeah, but let let's say I, I think especially when you when you're in a field that's very crowded. Yeah. Maybe this this is always this uh, what red sea blue sea or what is it? Oh, called? the
0: blue ocean strategy. Yeah, red ocean and blue ocean. Yeah,
1: but mm-hmm. so uh, we were both in internet art, and it wasn't such a crowded space. But now you show up in NFT world, and it, it, all of a sudden there's money to be had, so everybody goes digital. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny. I'll, i I'll, um, it was NFT week here in New York, so I met a lot of people, and I'm again, like, yeah, wasn't it
0: last week too? Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> last week. But
1: and, and, and several people I met, and I'm like, yeah, I had this model of making art online, and it's verified by the domain name, and that made it sellable, and nobody cares. It's like, okay, whatever we're in the present who cares what you did for 20 years so i i feel like the art world is really all about like well this is the, mm. the first person who put croissants on a painting you yeah. know? oh this is the, the the first person who put flip-flops on their head
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah it's but i mean it exists in the corporate world too like you know steve jobs the yeah. legend right like no yeah he but, only I, ate I like, <laughs> but i feel like
1: but um, i feel like in 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 Maybe it's the... I don't know. But in NFT world, it seems like that currency, like, oh, I've been doing triangle paintings for oh, 45 yeah. years. Yeah, It no doesn't one cares. matter. But what does matter is, like, are you funny on Twitter?
0: Mm, interesting. I mean, so that, probably, I, was, I think when we were talking about this on another occasion, I was like, I think that's how the 90s net artists feel about you and I. Like, you know, because we don't give them enough credit for building the well, infrastructure. Well, I do that feel lead. that
1: a lot of the net artists, the early net artists, they were there first and then they were like, "Okay, so I did it first, so now I don't ever have to make anything again." And they were just <laughs> so I don't
0: know if that's true.
1: <laughs> no, but a lot of them would make like one piece every 10 years and be like, yeah. "Hey, I'm a legend. You better respect me because I did this in 1995." Right, right, right. And some of them were prolific, but a lot of them like show up and be like, "Hey, I did ASCII animations in 1995." Yeah. And I'm, yeah, and in the meantime uh, No, I remember meeting you, Carolee you
0: know, Schneeman, who who's like, you know, um, Rest in Peace was, you know, a legendary performance artist. But um you know, most of the work that she did that was like very famous all happened in a period, you know, in the 60s. Well, that's what I mean. Early yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. But I I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that strategy. I think mm. for a lot of artists, if they made their point and they made a certain work it, it was very early and you can deduct deduct like oh mm. no one did that I did it I can't make anything better than that so why would I make anything okay. else I understand it but then you you can't expect people to stay like applaud. No, no, it's a really interesting point
0: because I think also it can work against you. Like Vito Conchi, Conchi famously, you know, made all this great video work. It's like the foundation of video art theory, basically. And then he was like, I'm done with the video thing. I've made my point, and he moved on to architecture. And he started doing these architecture sculptures, and no one ever wanted to talk to him about it. And he was very cranky about it right up until the day he died. Anyway, you know, he was cranky teaching in. The word. Yeah, he was teaching in Brooklyn, and yeah. he was like, he wouldn't do interviews because he's like, mm, "You want to talk to me about my videos, don't yeah. you?" And he's like, "I don't do that." But I, I understand I do this it. Like
1: stuff. he he's he's a very radical creator uh, artist, whatever you want to call it, and so he's like, no one was doing video, so I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. and then 20 years later, the world catches up, and it's like, hey, that was really interesting. Can you make more of that? It's like, no, I already did it. Yeah, and, and it's completely understandable, but I think one should accept the outcome of your attitude. So if you think, I'm done with this format that everybody loves, and now I'm going to go somewhere else, then there's a risk that people are not interested. It doesn't mean that every, everything you do, every angle... You know, I made music with a friend. Nobody cares. It's not like I'm gonna say, "Oh, I'm gonna stop doing everything else and only do music and expect everyone to love it." And
0: mm-hmm. No, yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, I was—I think I've mentioned on the podcast many times. Like, I started out doing video, and for a long time, people were still bummed that I wasn't doing more videos. But I'm like, mm, like the re- my research there kind of hit a, a, an upper limit, and it wasn't exciting for me anymore. And I'm not just gonna do it because you like it. Um, It has to be enjoyable for me as well. It was just getting less and less enjoyable. Yeah, the world changed. YouTube was different. Like, um, ultimately, though, what's funny is like what we're we're dancing around here that I'm not sure we're acknowledging. Both your and my case, regardless of the media, I think the style, and I think if you can, maybe style shouldn't be conflated with narrative, but the or like the the theory that drives the work, like well. Uh, you know, we, we wrote, we're we both pretty remarkably consistent in terms of our, like, I know, but it, brand it, 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 to narrative. Me,
1: to me, for example, like, when you're a little bit older and you want to keep up with music, and someone says, yeah. oh, there's this really new movement of analog synths combined with live glitch, whatever, and there's a genre, let's say. and mm-hmm. and, and so there's a genre of, like, synth collectors that do remote uh, SoundCloud collaborations, whatever. And why I'm using the example of electronic music is because there's no lyrics. So you can't be like, oh, the, the it, this song is about that. It's, it's very
0: abstract. So, and some types of electronic music, yeah. Yeah. And like so EDM. you go
1: to Bandcamp or SoundCloud or Spotify and there's maybe a supply of a 1,000 artists, let's say. Mm-hmm. And you're 45 and you have kids and you're kind of busy and you want to know what's going on in your music and you want to have some music to to drive to. And then you hear like, oh, you should listen to this guy because he had a USB port plugged, uh, uh, like surgically altered into the back (laughs) of his neck and it's like the major... And then that stands out. Yeah. And so I think what a lot of artists have to accept is that everybody... Someone said... Never underestimate how little other people think of you. Yes. So it, it's thinking like, oh, I made this great work; everyone should know about it, and they should they should worship me. Um, so I don't know but, if that I answers mean, I, the question No, but at I think all. the point that you're making that I, I, making I, like that seeing I would, it, yeah seeing it from someone else's point of view and not your own.
0: But sometimes it's actually just a matter of like reinforcing that you exist, right? And so it's like because the, the tendency is for memory of anything, be it an apple or chair or a human being to degrade over time as new information replaces the old, right? Like, and we only hold on to certain memories, right? Certainly like, we're not optimized to remember everyone we ever meet, which is why like, you don't remember your best friend's, like sister's baby's new baby's name, no. right? Like, yeah, we're not so optimized ever
1: remember other people's schedules when people say oh i'm going on vacation in three months you just yeah can't remember
0: and as you get older of course it gets worse um but ultimately like the brain is not optimized that way and so you know you need to refresh and this like it's really hard to talk about this topic without talking about corporate brand strategy which is like in, I think you know pies,
1: it's, it's all human it, psychology
0: yeah, because in that world, the corporation a long time ago was like, we have to act more like a person. Like, and in fact, we're going to call it, it's not brand, it's brand identity. And we need to have a founder story and we need a brand narrative. And we really need to reinforce that narrative continuously so that when you think of, when you think of like fast cars, you think Ferrari, right? And we're just going to keep saying the same thing. Yeah. But we're not even going to do thing. that one year. We're going to do that yeah. over 25 years. And it's, it's, gonna it's become... this a weird
1: thing like why does Coca-Cola need to advertise? Everyone knows what it is and still they do.
0: Well they they because they'll get they'll they will be forgotten. Like yeah. do you remember RC Cola? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's like That's... a major cola brand that once like yeah. was like one of the top colas, right? Like um and you know like the, I'm sure you could name a chocolate bar that was once like, you know, famous like Baby Ruth or something like that and you know yeah like
1: but i i think the classic cringe factor for people when artists uh, or when people say oh you should use branding ideas for artists i think the trade-off in general is that brands are optimized for profit and artists should be optimized for art
0: it's so ridiculous though like because
1: yeah no no but i I do think in my personal time Mm -hmm. it's a reality that I could go to every opening and try to meet every person, but then I'll be too tired the next day to make new work. So there mm. is a finite amount of time. Well, that, I often
0: say yeah. that brand is the way to scale a handshake, which sounds really crass and cheesy. No, like... I
1: know, I, I completely understand, but I think this question comes from a lot of people. Like, do I have to make the same work my whole life? Do I mm. have to uh, talk to all these people? Do I have to go to every opening? I just want to be in my studio. Mm. And, but to me, it's also like. How do you stand out in a grid of 400 thumbnails?
0: But that's really interesting because there's a guy named Kevin Buersdorf that I feel like he did like two performances. (laughs) He's like a a part of our group of friends. Like early on, he was making as much work as you or I. Then like he decided to quit art, right? and yeah he
1: deleted all his websites
0: yeah and there are examples of this in art history of other artists and he but it's was just quite a quite example.
1: like he was he was acting in movies he made albums and then yeah he made but then he just like stopped
0: and yeah. but the act of stopping i think almost crystallized his greatness <laughs> yeah and but like there was a very subs- narrow audience I think. A, that's like, true it's true <laughs> it's yeah. true but
1: then i, I saw him like Olia alia Lina made a play and he was the main a- lead actor it was amazing, like. But of course, it, <laughs> He's it's, still a it's a lot. Li- it's a live thing, so it doesn't translate that well to recording. So it, it's it's this. I think that Olia is the example of I think, the the net artist who makes very few works very precisely. Mm. Every every five years, you make a key work, and they're great. Um, she she does more, of course, but I think that strategy of. No, but. It, 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 it's, it, I think that strategy is just for a very specialized audience, and you have to accept that if you do that.
0: But I think what both of them do, and this is like kind of the thought that comes to mind, is they have found ways to have other people tell their story. And you know, so they, I don't
1: think that's true. I think they like Olia writes theory all the time. she's very mm. prolific in, in, in speaking about work.
0: But that theory actually, like, or writing like is a making. way to get other people to tell your story because it's like you can literally pass the story telling from one the story. person Well, she is, but by writing it down or by talking about it in a certain way. Yeah. In brand, anyway, this is I'm trying to get it back to like the corporate discussion is we're always trying to find ways to scale it. And the best way to scale it is not to advertise more because that's like it it's very expensive. It's expensive. And the irony is like yeah. brand is the most expensive type of advertising you can do. It's in fact it doesn't lead to a direct sale ever. It's not considered useful in that regard. It's only to create awareness, so that when you do have something to sell, people are like, "Oh yeah, I trust them. They have this story that they told once, that I remember," and or a friend told me about what they do. Right? It's to create this like check or balance on like yeah. when I ask for for money, you're going to trust me, right? It's it's then, considered a trust vessel.
1: It it seems like the new cool thing in in uh, the modern world of technology products and connected products is to make a product that is so amazing it doesn't need advertising and like that's, a tesla example yeah tesla or like the google homepage. like everyone just used it at the beginning because all the other search engines were cluttered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so when you when you offer something that's so much better you know like 10 times better for a tenth of the price um it's it, that seems i don't remember facebook advertising itself it just it just expanded by being the product that it is.
0: But it did start I advertising use- at, uh, in the last few years. You don't want to know why, and this is maybe a, <laughs> the point you're trying to make. It's just, yeah. They needed a counter narrative. So the the rule in PR and advertising is, especially when there's a disaster, is that's when you need to spend money because if you don't tell the story, someone else is going to tell it for you. And you know, if you're giving the impression in the world that your story is negative the rule in advertising and in pr this is, is a get cool. ahead of the story
1: and and why i bring up nft is i don't know you can quote me on this in 10 years maybe i'm wrong but it seems like this is a very big moment like i think oh yeah artists have always been taught by the art world be humble be quiet let other people speak about you and maybe if you're lucky they will put you in history and you will be safe. You'll be able to create freely the rest of your life. Like We'll choose yeah. 100 people that can be as weird as they want, yeah. and everybody else is out.
0: Yeah, just show up to these dinners and, and behave.
1: Yeah, but, but, and show up to the dinner and just be quiet, be kind of charming, but let the <laughs> gallerist or the curator promote you. And so that's all based on middle people. So there's, there's the audience, there's the artist, and then the middle people will tell the truth, and they will say... They are in and they are out. End of story. We decide. Mm -hmm. And now we go to NFT world and all of a sudden you're in a grid with 500 artists and then you have to somehow get artists to you. And maybe those middle people will become just as powerful and also take 50% instead of 10%. Mm -hmm. But the whole idea that artists have to start talking to the audience directly, they've been conditioned for Oh, to not years. do that. To not do that, because it's very uncool. Like yeah. the art world, you're supposed to be like, oh, I just drink Evian water and stare into the sky, and like, yeah. I would never talk to regular people. To be difficult, and, yeah, is actually yeah, like part of so, the myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this sort of programmer mindset of the NFT world, of debugging and reviewing and talking to each other, making things better, it's the opposite of the sort of cool, academic... Snarky art world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, this this narrative storytelling thing, I think it's it's a, it's a very relevant question because the if the artists are naked out on their own but in front of the audience instead of being protected by a, a layer of middle people. No, I think
0: you're right. I mean I used to joke I'm
1: saying middle people, not little
0: people. No no, yeah, I get it. I mean I used to joke that the art world is the only world where the customer is always wrong, you know, and that was like the way <laughs> Exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it was built, yeah. maybe fashion as well but like uh it's built on this complex uh gatekeeping principle that if it was popular it'd be worth less right because there's a yeah, certain yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and um, and
1: but but back to electronic music like i remember you know I, I wasn't so into electronic music and people would pay playlists people would play wow that's a difficult sentence mm-hmm. people would play playlists of different kinds of electronic music, and you're listening, and you're like, "Hey, this sounds good. Who's this? Oh, that's Aphex Twin." And then like five different tracks, and like, oh, this is cool. Who's this? Oh, that's another name, but it's also Aphex Twin. Okay. And so there was no marketing. It was just the music stands out. But then, he does have a whole spiel of never doing an interview and creating stories that he Richard lives D. In James. A yeah, and and so he he does feed weird things into the world, but. I don't even know if it's necessary it's still to me it just stood out aesthetically like you just hear like oh these compositions are yeah there's there's more feeling in them without resorting to cliches or whatever you want to call it but they just stand out and well that's the question yeah yeah but but the question is like is the work if the work is really great does it need marketing
0: well i mean i'll say this like there's a book called zag it's another brand marketer's book and i apologize i've read a lot of these things like But um, they talk about this concept of a parade, and if there, you know, so sometimes you don't have to tell the story; others will tell it for you, or maybe they're already telling the story. And so that's the concept of a parade. Like everyone is excited about this thing. Like let's take NFTs or something as an example. The parade is passing by. Now you have an option. You can either follow that parade and say like I'm with them, or you can kind of go another way, Um, or you could get in front of the parade and say not only am I with them, I'm leading them. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, I would argue someone like Richard D. James or at the time like Pusher and different groups like that, they became the leaders of a parade that was already happening. There was an underground of music and experimentation happening. Yeah,
1: since the 40s or the 30s, yeah. or whenever people started playing with electronic yeah. music. And they didn't yeah. even,
0: all they aesthetically performed at a higher level. I wouldn't argue with that. But I think Richard D. James was also like kind of masterful in terms of getting... His work aligned with certain music video directors, and like being in the right place at the right festivals, so that his name looked like it was in front of the parade, right? Like, yeah. yeah. And so, but that's
1: also the thing where where the, the the best movie directors want to make some music videos, but only for the best songs. And then they'll listen to a number of offerings from a record company, and they hear the Aphex Twin Window licker and they're like, oh, that's yeah. the song I want to direct. Yeah, that's that's the song that I'll do my best for the treatment. That's the song where I'll make an effort to do it at a lower rate or whatever. Like I, you know, it's like yeah. oh, I got to be part of this.
0: But no doubt, like they're leveraging. There's also a certain amount of leveraging on the like. Um, well, it's like a co-brand or partnership. What's called a, like in the, in the computers, thing, we call it like, or in like software, we call them like strategic partnerships. Yeah, the, and the, these strategic the thing, partnerships b- grow both brands.
1: Yeah. Sorry, I got a little too excited. No, no, no. I know. No, keep going. But the, <laughs> I just wanted to finish that. The, the thing that is is really key to me this whole podcast because I do see this as an educational tool. But I just the whole problem I have with teaching is I don't want to give a method and say do A, B, C, and D and you'll have success. It just doesn't work. It's different for everyone. And I do. You got to do, gotta do general, a
0: Gucci collab, Raph. You got to do a Gucci. collab. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so. I don't know. It, it seems like if you just focus on the work, everything will work out. But I don't know if that's true, but...
0: I do. I do. I, th- I think fundamentally you're making... So in, you know, in terms of the question, does it is it a reverse engineering process or is it projected forward? I think it's a little bit of both. I think you start out, at least in my case, I started out with a thesis in school... And that became the narrative that I would fall back on whenever I was like, what should I do next? Or why am I doing this? You know, because people would ask me, why are you doing this? Right? It's common. And then I'd be like, oh, right. Like, this is where I started. This is how I got here. But I would review it and revise it, which I've done many times. Like, we all give artist talks, right? You give artist talks. I give artist talks. Mm -hmm. You get the question, like, how'd you get started? How'd you get here? um and or you you or you just put that forward because you know that's the number one question and ultimately i, I, I usually
1: begin yeah with why i started with the internet yeah, and, yeah yeah
0: yeah you your origin story and that's true for most companies as well like there's a series of events that you know precipitated you acting in a certain way and it might have started at childbirth i don't know but like the the truth is if you're doing things right you're not doing them like anyone else right and uh and people are interested in that story Because they want to understand, like, how did this come to be? In a world of normal, how does abnormal exist, right? Like, how does this different thing Mm -hmm. exist? And so, I don't know. But I tell that story. I've revised that story probably thousands of times now. Like, I gave an artist talk last week. And it was, like, you know, V, you know, I don't know how many times I've given it. But maybe, like, 700 times. And every time I tell it, I tell it a little bit differently. Like I'm always trying out like slightly different angles. I've written about it. I've written several essays. I've written them. Sli- I, I did an update to my like thesis uh, just last year. Um, and yeah. I found it a very useful exercise in terms of just grounding myself in reality. Like the this is my lived experience. It's true. It means yeah. something. It's valuable to me. And um, I don't care if anyone but else likes it, to be honest with you. It's-
1: it's also interesting i think it's true for both of us now that we used to have this narrative that was unique it's like hey i'm doing art with webcams oh yeah oh that sounds crazy i've never heard of that and then i would always say like hey i put art in domain names and nobody does that wow that's crazy you sell art online and now it's like i'm an nft artist okay <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't like know how long AR that will last though cuz like, you have to yeah, like my, my like little you nephew said, too. Yeah. Yeah,
0: but like you said earlier, you have to stand out in a sea of NFT artists now. So how, you yeah. know, how are you going to stand out? I mean, yeah, I noticed exactly. that like um Hick and Nunk went down. It's no longer in existence, right? This guy Raphael, he's like I've had it. I'm out. Um yeah. one of our listeners sent us like an amazing transcript of the meeting that transpired right after that. Oh, um, I haven't seen that yet. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll send it yeah. to you after this. Maybe we'll talk about it next episode in detail. Yeah, that's good. But in this, in these meeting minutes, there's like all the narrative of how you know Hen came to be, you know why it's dissolving, what we need to do next, and like, it, and all the per- and there's, there's like, and the, what about you know there are different personalities and the personalities step forward, like one's called Mumu or something like that. They're all like, <laughs> they're all telling stories about like I. There's one point in the minutes that's brilliant where the guy's like. I just need it to be known, like for the record, that this is what happened. They must remember; <laughs> it must be yeah. remembered. So there, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kid ourselves into thinking that like NFTs are ahistorical because I think there's tons of historical precedents. We've even yeah. tried to talk about it on this podcast, like and, you know, folks like Billy Rennenkamp who were doing stuff really early on, or Casey Rice, Arise, or um, harm from the Dorple, Harn the yeah, all these people, like yeah, like exactly. With they were doing experiments and playing with but this. But- before it was One popular. of the things
1: that's, that's interesting is um, the, the, the general narrative of art is who did what first, and then you follow this timeline. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, oh, uh, I, I, art is about human connections. Let's start relational aesthetics. And, uh, oh, let's remove the object. Let's call it conceptual art. And, oh, let, I'm looking at the sunrise and uh, I'll yeah. make it impressionism. And I was the first to do haystacks and whatever. But <laughs> it, 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 what's interesting is that, at end of the day, you could also have the really innocent viewing of work without a narrative, and maybe that's the one thing that art makes art different from all the other forms of culture. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true, but the, there is a purity to me of just seeing a work without knowing anything, no metadata, no director's yeah. comments. You're kind of talking nothing. about
0: like he, you know, you hear a song, you know, at the mall. And you're yeah. Like, Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, I wouldn't yeah, them all, but, and yeah. and
1: and you see a sketch in a, a on Instagram, or you see a, mm-hmm. a, a a little interstitial on MTV in the eighties, and you're like, "Whoa, what's that?" And there's no context, no narrative, and it's gone. And sort of that the, the privilege of seeing work without knowing where it's coming from. And that there's something about that too. So I think you know, there's there, there's tons of artists who will have secret identities especially in electronic music because they want the work to be separate from their own persona yeah oh i'm gonna make this album and i'm not gonna tell anyone who made it and then people will start gossiping oh it sounds like he used this synth and it's probably this guy and oh no it's that woman and uh, so i think there's something about viewing work without narrative that is very interesting like i like going to the Theater, seeing movies without knowing too much about them, and then maybe afterwards you start digging into the narrative, and, and not the no, narrative, no, no. you know what I mean, but into the metadata. So, yeah,
0: no, but there's something like about the sublime, or like there's, you know, you're kind of referring to some kind of aesthetic, spiritual,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, you know, connection that you might have. We've talked about that previously in regards to music on the podcast and art that transcends all context and
1: yeah harm harm from the Dorp had this great tweet uh, music is the meaning of life i thought that was good
0: yeah that it's beyond like calculation or measurement i think is yeah. and that, i know that yeah yeah it, it, there's it's, something it's like
1: if, i think 50 cent or jay-z they're very good at self-branding and i think 50 Cent had this whole thing where he was shot nine times and he has a scar on his face from a bullet passing through his cheek or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's an easy sell then to say like, oh, this guy is for real. He lived the life that he's rapping about. It's not just acting. And then your attention, like, oh, I should listen to this more closely and it makes more sense. And
0: Well, also uh, I think it's like humbling, you know, in all of these cases. Yeah. There's like a kind of... You're yeah, in the but presence of something that you can't fully may, understand.
1: What I maybe what I'm trying to say is that the narrative is often there to tell you that the artist is very dedicated. That mm-hmm. it's not a hobby like you you won't be disappointed. They're in this for life. They're, they will never, you know. No, you're making a really good point. You're making that, a good point. That's the point with with Vido Conci or other artists. Like I think artists I think the audience and the collectors want to be sure like are you in this for life? I think that is particularly yeah. with art. I think that's very important.
0: I remember my gallerist, like the first gallerist I had, the only one maybe. Well, there've been a few bad stories, but like they're they're like sat me down one time and they're like, "But Jeremy, are you going to keep doing this? Like or is this just like a passing, you know, well, curiosity you?" You
1: you have multiple talents and you are able to function in the corporate world and that security, of course, is is very useful and and comforting. Mm. And that takes away time from your art practice. So, of course, then people are like, well, what's going to be your focus? Yeah. It's like, they add, like yeah, Jack Dorsey is, is the CEO of Square and Twitter at the same time. And you're like, yeah. well, what's really important?
0: Yeah, I think, though, that um, it was also a question of commitment. You know, and I and you're right. Yeah, like I have multiple commitments. Ultimately, like I recognize that it's that's actually not very rare. And we shouldn't we should dispel the rumor that it is rare because a lot of people work multiple jobs just to make a living, right? Like artists are extremely precarious and the art schools have a responsibility to like help them manage their, their labor and their like life so that they can survive. And like, we've talked about that on the podcast before, Mm -hmm. but ultimately like the narrative that you're referring to that, and I do think it's a good point is the pursuit of practice or research not for any not as a means to an uh, almost as a means to an end, actually, like that the very research itself, like the trying to find um, the unfindable, like this is what I'm talking about when I talk about humility too, and I think of the sublime. It's like the outer limits of our ability to understand are at, at stake, right? And so yeah, it's not like you could tell that story in advance. <laughs> you, all you could say is, I'm setting out on this journey. I I don't know where it's going to take me, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to like I'm going to blog about it on the way. I'm going to blog about it and the way I'm going to blog is by making works about it as I go along. As I as I reach different points in the forest, I'm going to tie a ribbon around the tree or I'm going to break a branch so that you know the direction I'm heading, right? Yeah. But it's not like Picasso knew that he was going to, you know, uncover cubism. Like he was doing fucking like no, blue, but I think, blue I paintings. I think if you if you
1: met <laughs> Picasso, you, you would know that there's no way he's ever going to do anything else than this
0: yeah but he did like impressionism for a period of no time. no i like, know
1: but he's not going to become an accountant like that was yeah
0: weird. yeah no but i what i mean to say is like you set yourself up to do a kind of research i actually like for me the narrative of my corporate life and my art life makes total sense to me and i've like i've revisited it and revisited it many times and i'm like yep still makes sense and it's, bec- it's because of what I want to make. Like everything I make is about a certain identity in labor politic, right? And so for me, being embedded in labor politics means managing companies, right? Like, but yeah. you know, for someone else, it might mean like taking strolls on the beach, right? Like that's where their research takes them. Like they yeah, have to yeah. find unique stones or something. Yeah. Um, wherever your research takes you, I think that's where you belong. That's That would be my kind of argument.
1: And, and then to me, the other strategy would be Whatever's the most fun, whatever you enjoy the most, you'll be best at. So if you are not good at creating a narrative around yourself and, and creating marketing mm. stunts and all that stuff, don't don't try it if it's uncomfortable because it won't work. And yeah. Like for some artists making an insane amount of work is the story. And for other artists it's like I do a work every five years but I write academic text in between and
0: but yeah. that's, like, we shouldn't discount that it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes, I think. Like, there have been a few occasions in my career where I've reinvented no, what people but think about me. Maybe what I mean
1: is, it, it's like, I'm not that good at the, the, the networking in, in the galleries and, like, going to places and introducing myself. I oh, I, I, I know see, some yeah. people can do that. And then, you know, you do whatever feels right for you. Yeah, I mean, that's such a boring answer. but
0: No, I, actually, I mean, I, I but I actually personally, it's like... Uh, on a few occasions that we've gone to openings together it's like been a ton of fun because you're it's we're like a power couple <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah but then we go to a place I, i'm talking about people who can yeah. just walk into any room and like I've, I've seen at the conferences and then you see Olaf elias and just yeah, oh yeah. walk up to the the eu commissioner and say like, oh i have a great project <laughs> you know th- that kind of yeah. level of like just walking up to anyone and selling a project or like that's like being so confident
0: wait. in your personal narrative that you can tell other people how their narrative should function <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
1: like like i saw bjarke Ingels do his thing and like just walk up to people and be like oh yeah we're going to change the world come with me and yeah
0: yeah that's interesting so you know that's the type of personality that is speculating on a future that doesn't exist that's saying. This is what I think we all need to strive for. This is the this is the future narrative for everyone. Yeah, It's going it's to be like
1: a, a powerful salesperson.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's like a pitch presentation. Basically every like pitch presentation like Airbnb's pitch presentation or but um, and that's what I was talking about earlier with like the Nancy Duarte looked at like Steve Jobs and how he announced like the iPhone and stuff and what Did these he? people have managed to do is they make... Who is Steve Jobs? Who is Steve Jobs? <laughs> Oh, Never sorry. Never heard of him. He was bad yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, maybe your, your no. There's is, the whole
1: thing with Steve Jobs where he kind of erased the uh, Steve Wozniak from history, and he's like, "I invented everything."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, That's I a good Wozniak. example
1: of like Steve Wozniak is the guy who just wanted to be in the lab and play with technology, and then.
0: Well, this Steve is what Job I mean about the, getting the in front of the parade. I, yeah. I I think most of the time you're erasing a lot of people's efforts when you do that, and it's like a. It's a pretty kind of colonial thing, almost to do. Like, like here I am, or like capitalists. Like, it's like here I am. Look, I did this. Yeah, yeah, it's power. But Um, then,
1: if if you have the right person who will do that kind of thing, and then can protect all the creators who just want to be in the lab, mm -hmm. then it's a it's a good collaboration.
0: Can we think of a good example of that? Like Was Warhol like that with his like factor or something?
1: No, like, I'm thinking more the, the combo of Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. Like, They needed mm. each other. And, and that yeah, created... like not
0: everyone wants to be in the limelight, you're saying.
1: Yeah, like if, if if Steve Wozniak had done the sales and the engineering at the same time, it wouldn't have been as good of a product.
0: Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. know. That's the, the,
1: there's an example of, of Walt Disney who worked with an animator called up Eworks, I don't know how you pronounce his name. I think he, he had, came from a Dutch family. but So he they had Oswald the Rabbit, and I think there was a copyright issue that it looked too much like another rabbit character. And then Walt Disney said, Oh, let's do a mouse, and uh, I have a funny mouse voice. And so they created Mickey Mouse. But Up uh, Eworks designed Mickey Mouse. like He designed the three circles that make the face and mm. the whole thing. And so this other studio was like, Well, the actual person making the drawings is, is up, so we should hire him. and That's the genius, and uh, you know Walt Disney is just a, a business guy. He's yeah. A, he's like a, a manager, and so they they offered up a, a lucrative contract, and I think he made a frog character and went out on his own, but Pippa he wasn't frog. as compelling of a <laughs> storyteller, and nobody remembers the frog. And you know, yeah. Walt Disney was very disappointed, but then found new animators, and then. Uh, you know, created the most successful animation company. So there is that sort of... Uh, no, you're making, of yeah, you're making a pretty good but point. But sometimes yeah. they are the creative brain, even though they're not holding the pencil.
0: Yeah, but I am, like, uneasy because, like, it's like American history that, you know, kind of er- erased indigenous, you know, harm or something like that. It's like... Sometimes the people that tell the stories are, you know, they have a very convenient. Like
1: history is, is written by the victors.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they don't usually, yeah, yeah they write, you know, themselves. It's just, I think in, in particular, the hero's role.
1: I, 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 I've seen the cartoons that Up EWorks did after Disney. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested in the history of animation. And I know there's tons of weird animations that never made it to the mainstream and all this stuff. But I think this story, it was a group of investors that just thought, up Aworks is the genius and, mm. and you know, yeah. Well, whenever I think of this stuff
0: like <clears throat> I do think of those net artists in the nineties and like, you know, how many people must have been active or like CD ROM artists we've talked about on the podcast, right? Yeah,
1: like, all the lost CD ROM artists.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and like how many great, you know, folks were lost, um, you know, because only two or three people got into the canon or something like that from that yeah. from that. And, group. and then you
1: could ask the same question about every moment in history that where you think of Greek statues or the, the, the pyramids in Egypt, and maybe there was a lot of interesting, subversive, folky <laughs> content that it's just yeah. disappeared because it wasn't made on media that, that lasted.
0: Yeah, I was watching this documentary yesterday. It wasn't particularly well produced about Leonard Cohen, and the, who's a Canadian folk singer, um, and he like led two lives. He was lives. also very
1: good at, at dressing. He, he was dressed really well.
0: Yeah, he's because kind of from Dad Montreal was a tailor so. or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, in Montreal. But he like um he lived two lives like one, for a long time. Like half of his life was left was lived in like on the Greek isle of Hydra or Hydra and the other half in Montreal and like he said he needed to live both lives like cuz in Hydra things were it was a utopia and he needed to know what real life was like by living in the misery of Montreal or something like that. (laughs) Um, but you know, ultimately like he would go to this Hedra place to do like writing and then he would come back to Montreal to do like absorbing and having these two lives and two narratives. And I think he ended up with like, it's pretty misogynistic maybe, but he ended up with like two wives or something and two families in both places. And like, um, the idea though, that we're committed to like a single narrative or like a single point of view is a kind of an interesting, um, you know, thing, what do you, you mean know, you were that? talking about me having a corporate life and, and then like my art life, but we haven't really talked about people who have multiple narratives concurrently and whether that's like, what,
1: like David Bowie or someone
0: like that. Yeah. Like, like well, he, I mean,
1: he was an actor and he was a.
0: Well, the Leonard Cohen story himself. is actually he was trying to be a writer, and so and he wrote several books, but people weren't like into the books because they were too far ahead of their time or something. They were postmodern yeah. books, yeah. and then he tried singing, like just on a like on a whim, like because he was writing yeah, some yeah, poems, yeah. and people were like, "Whoa, I really like those songs. Can you do more? <laughs> Can you do more of that?" <laughs> and then that kind of took off, right? But it it wasn't even his choice, really. Like it was because he was failing at one. Narrative, and then the other narrative picked up, and he picked that he kept going with that. So there's like, I mean, we're because we're talking about destiny and writing your own story, and people rewriting history. Sometimes um you just get going in a direction, you know, and you're like a rock rolling down a hill. Isn't that like a Bowie quote, or, something? Like, or not a yeah. Bowie quote, a um, Dylan quote? um Snowball effect. Yeah, but it, it's like I can't remember the quote, but there's something. It's something to the effect of like we try and plan too much. And if we just like, you know, kind of take the next step and see where it goes, you know, the story can o- often just writes itself, you know? Yeah. And if you hold on too tightly, uh, like if you hold on too tight to the present, you don't change and therefore you don't evolve and your story doesn't evolve either. Right. So,
1: yeah. But then the, the other side of the story is uh, the the band, the Ramones. Mm-hmm. And they started, I think 1975, and they looked really weird. Nobody liked them. They thought it was a comedic act. They never really broke through. They never changed their style. They were in and out of style because the times changed, but they never changed one bit. The exact mm-hmm. same outfit, exact same type of songs. And I think they're the best in the genre, but...
0: I mean, they're still famous.
1: Yeah, they're kind of famous, but like, the Sex Pistols or The Clash were much more successful. Hmm. And they kind of, you know, a, a lot of bands changed with the time and went into post punk and then went into electronic music and yeah. all kinds of stuff. But you know what's funny? But there's yeah. something to me about them just saying, you know, this exact, you know, we figured it out. We just, I don't know.
0: No, no, I, I get I what, what, you're what you're saying. Like, like, I mean, yeah. in music, of course, it's very common for a, someone to reinvent themselves and their sound, and then people reject them. Um, or if you're just yeah. consistent over a long period of time, like you know maybe you're ahead of your time you don't but like you know there's famously like the Beatles obviously reinvented their sound several times um you know it's just a part of it seems like it's accepted in music that that's going to happen or the band's just going to fade away which happens more often than not more often than not it's like what happened to that hit band they're a one-hit wonder or something like that so consistency over time does matter but I think the one thing I wanted to get out in the open was like um You know, it's at the end of the day, it does come back to what you said earlier, which around audience and having an audience, and they're going to determine if the narrative has value or not, and they're going to kind of write the story for you. And I'm reminded of like a study. This is like just to bring it back to business. (laughs) I don't know know why I have the urge to do so, but um, well, this is the world we live in. There's like a famous, there's a famous like study where they, like they did an A B test and they, you know, it's like selling. They sold different products with and without stories on like, uh, and there's a, there's a version of this that exists on the internet where they sold like a camera on a web page with a story, like an origin story about the camera and like this, you know, and where the camera is going to go with you and like, you know, how it was made and the engineers and stuff. And then they did one with just like the price and feature list. And they were able to charge, I think it was like 30 or 40% more, maybe it was more than that, for the camera with the story. And the Mm. camera with the story sold better at a higher price. Yeah. Um, Well, that's that's to
1: me exactly where the story makes a lot of sense and it works. But there's also something about it takes away from the product itself. And I'm saying product in the sense of the invention or the creation. Mm -hmm. And so for me as a viewer, I really enjoy seeing work. Like, imagine... I think abstract painting is a good example because there's not a clear narrative in the work itself. And often when you go into the gallery, it's like, well, actually, it's not what you think it is. This artist is actually 200 years old. I don't know how, but they survived. And uh, he's been eating spinach every day for every day, and that's why it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. And it would be (laughs) fun sometimes to just go into a museum show and there are no labels. You're not sure if the work is from 1940 or from 1985 or today. And you just really have to look at the work. And I think a lot of times the narrative gets in the way of the seeing. That's, that's to me, the downside of the narrative. That would be true. Yeah. The branding thing is, is sort of cringy and also true. But it, it, like, can you really see the work or does the narrative change your brain so much? Mm. Like if I, you stand in front of a mother well painting and you're in a museum, you're like, wow, this is a groundbreaking yeah. work. Nobody else did it. And if you saw it at a thrift store, would you be
0: as, how would you read it? No, no, it's a good question. I mean, and the thrift store example is pretty, like, you know, has happened in history where people can't recognize great works that are, you know, that somehow got into the trash or in some kind of junkyard sale or something. But I mean, I think conceptual art might, like, here's a question back at you, is like, is it possible to view conceptual art the same way and have, you know, have that appreciation without understanding. No. Well, it's co-
1: I think conceptual art, uh, I think paintings have the implied art context just in the shape of the object. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a painting, it might be kitschy, but it's not intended as anything else than to look at that. Mm-hmm. That's clear. It's not a pot or a pan or whatever. And, I think conceptual art needs the white cube space to even be readable because if you would go to a thrift store and then draw lines on the wall and say yeah. it's, a, you don't tell anyone it's an instruction and you don't say it's conceptual Yeah, that's what art. I'm saying. It's like some types yeah. of
0: work, they are so, um, I don't know if it's minimal or so like... Um, well,
1: they're optimized for a very specific story so that they Mm -hmm. seem like the when you look at conceptual art they seem like they're these radical gestures that are free from narrative but they're really part of the narrative of the history of exhibition making and of art making yeah like if i took kosuth's
0: chair which is probably one of the more famous pieces of conceptual art right like you've got it you've got a photo of a chair you got the real chair and a description from the dictionary of a chair on the wall like no one's going to come into that chair you know piece or see it anywhere in the world and be like, oh, that's sublime. Like That really brought a tear to my eye.
1: (laughs) But I do think if that thing would be in a thrift store, you would recognize it as art. It's still very overtly an art installation. Mm -hmm. I think in any context, you would still read that as unpractical. But if you think of, um, let's say, Oliver Eliasson's no what's a good example like people who would put a cube of ice in like a, a rain
0: room or something or, or like
1: no that's still it i mean more like working with found objects so mm. it, it, like let's say you, you have an installation in a gallery where you show the history yeah. of, of uh, ikea drawers and something or like okay a, sure i don't know I, I still think a lot of conceptual art would be readable in the thrift
0: the soloit example they used earlier which is somewhat conceptual like of like you know several no, lines may, on the may, wall.
1: Maybe T- Tino Seagal is a good example. Oh, that's a good example. He, yeah. he he has these works where you're in the museum and someone says, "What is the meaning of life?" And then you walk mm-hmm. further and someone says, "What's your favorite meal?" And mm-hmm. if you would do that in a bar or something, and like someone <laughs> just walk up to you and then walk away, you'd be like, "Oh, they, they ah interesting." Drunk. So it requires
0: yeah. the narrative of the institution or the the narrative of con, the con, contextual narrative. Informs yeah, the, the introduction.
1: But, oh, you're yeah. being part of an experience. And like if you would do that just in public mm-hmm. space, you'd be like, oh, get out of here. What are you mm-hmm. trying to sell me? You know? I was
0: also thinking of like, um, I was mocking Damien Hirst's like shark piece uh, recently. Like I'm playing with it for a sculpture. And there's no, re- like that piece conceptually is powerful, but aesthetically it's kind of powerful, but it's not. Like, have you ever seen that piece in person? The physical impossibility piece no, with the I've, shark i've
1: seen like sheep of his yeah and the and and cows cow and stuff. i never saw the shark no. the shark
0: was always like degrading like it was falling to pieces <laughs> like famously like eventually sachi or someone like re-skinned like put had to take the skin and Didn't put they it over like a find a
1: new shark or something
0: they found a new shark and they he did it like he spent a hundred grand doing a better job but then that one also <laughs> deteriorated so yeah. then he had to like pull the skin over like a fiberglass mold like a sock. Or something. Yeah. but like damien hurst never like approved of that one that was done by collectors um and so it's not he is like it's missing the but aura you notice of the that sh-
1: work in a thrift store for sure
0: yeah but you but like no the reason i'm thinking of is that there's like taxidermy in a thrift store so what's the difference between taxidermy in a gallery and taxidermy in a thrift store because yeah, it essentially cause it's
1: a very big one yes
0: that's it (laughs) because there are small versions of that series of work like there's ones where he did like rats or mice and things like that yeah Um, Yeah. but uh just i guess one of the ways i've seen it talked about or when i was researching it was like well it's in a very aesthetic frame (laughs) it's like the display case and i was like i "I don't think that makes sense a big
1: part of art history is the novelty factors Mm-hmm. I think that was a huge novelty factor to put there's so much shot. narrative
0: behind it. But the reason I bring that work up is it's considered the most iconic work of British art in the last century. Yeah. Like when people, yeah. Yeah. Like, can you think yeah. of a more, and like sometimes these works, these icons, these like I- iconic works, there's so much narrative embedded in them that the value of that work kind of keeps going up because it's like, it's almost like a narrative of narratives. Like from that yeah. work, it's like a key that unlocks all these other narratives. Um, I think yeah. the chair piece by Kosuth that I mentioned earlier is is similar to that. But
1: all those pieces, I think, outside of being introduced with a, a story and the legend of the artist and what came before, I think they also stand out on their own. So it's not just the sales pitch, but it's no, yeah, they have to transcend somehow. I, I think you know wh- whatever you think about the shock or. Jeff Koons' work, th- th- they are works that really... I saw the a group exhibition of... Um, Zwerner Gallery had its 25th year anniversary, or 35, or whatever, and so they had all their artists in, in a group exhibition, and then you have Josef Albers, and then you had all these beautiful abstract works, and then you have Wolfgang Tillmans with very stylish photography, and, and mm. in the middle of the room is just like a giant... Multicolored metal kitschy uh, birds by Jeff Koons. Oh, yeah. And it's just in that context between those works, it's just still very radical to say, oh, you guys are also tasteful. I found this at the thrift store and made it <laughs> huge. And so y- you have to be careful thinking, like, oh, Jeff Koons is such a salesperson, he can sell anything. But the work itself is also,
0: yeah. Mm. I'm so, reminded, like I, I wonder. Here's a question for you, because we, t- you know, you like to bring it back to NFTs, and it's of the moment. It's an, it's a like a history that's writing itself. It's a narrative in progress. Are are there any works though that stand out like that? Like that, that Kuhn's position is radical in that, like you said, it specifically says, "I'm not like you, I'm different, right? And therefore, I stand for something. A story that I'm telling a different story than you are." Like the only one I can think of is like Pack and that like kind of single pixel piece. Do you remember that? It's like mm-hmm. the yeah. idea of like selling a single policy. pixel. Yeah. Yeah. But is it? I don't know if there's much narrative there. Like I'm still looking for like. There's the also well, I he, guess. He, uh, yeah. he
1: or she or they. Uh, the that's a very. Um, their persona online is is like a magician. It's like. Oh, we're going to reveal something. It, it, it has a lot of that sneaker culture of like something is coming, something epic is coming, but you don't know what. And yeah. So there's definitely that marketing sense there, and I think that's what made that pixel.
0: That's interesting. You like better. almost like an argument you we might make is that like with drops and and all of this, you know, kind of NFT culture, the narrative has become it's like a pre-narrative, like the hype narrative that precedes the work is more important than the narrative well, afterward. If,
1: if you remember in the net art world, there was this domain name, uh, hell.com. Mm-hmm, yeah, Do you remember I that whole story? And this club of people that they were so early with domain names that they had hell.com. And I remember seeing that website, and it reminds me of the tone of voice of, of PAC on uh, Twitter. And so I remember going to hell.com and it said, This is not a website, this is a state of mind. (laughs) And and they, they had so many promises that they never delivered on that it you know, when you start saying it's that tenacious D. This was the greatest song of all time. It's not actually this song. I'm describing the song. It, it was greater yeah. than what I'm actually writing. It's the lack and of.
0: It's the mystery that's the narrative. Like it's, it's. It's
1: like you send a kid to go fishing with their uncle, and there's like, oh, my uncle caught a fish. It was bigger than the twin towers. It was bigger than the pyramids. It was mm-hmm. bigger, and then you see the photo, and it's not that big of a fish. It
0: kind of reminds me of Banksy or something, though. If I'm like, you know, it's all it lump. It's well, all lumped. Yeah, together. but that's
1: exactly like where I think maybe I don't know Tom Johnson, but maybe that's the core of the question. Like people fear like the artists that are very successful are these artists that use branding strategies to create an mm-hmm. easy narrative. And I think you just have to make a choice when you get started and what you emphasize and yeah. I still think I still think if you enjoyed the making more than Yeah. story around it and just focus on that that's a better time spent because if you're going to do the narrative marketing thing and you're going to be miserable it's not even going to work so yeah Uh, it it just feels
0: like um if you're going to try hard don't try it don't show it (laughs) like don't don't like work hard to try like you know looking like you're trying hard um because what is it like it kind of feels like a poser move or something like that and yeah. ultimately like
1: I just don't have the answer.
0: Friends, fun, and craft matter more than showing, you know, like showing off, right?
1: Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I
0: don't know. I don't know. Who knows? We're not supposed to give advice. Yeah, that's true. Whatever um, floats your boat. Yeah. Good question. A limitless supply yeah. of discussion could be happening.
1: And question. and now we can listen to a sound recording by Tom Johnson.
0: Oh yeah, sound recording. Where is this what is the was a
1: couple of people singing? I don't know. So Tom didn't record his own voice for the question.
0: He said, he "Yeah, his he's statistics. attached to a recording." But maybe from...
1: maybe we shouldn't give any context, and people can listen to the. Field well, he did say he did network. say in his text. He no, said no, it's no, from. No, no, no. Let's leave okay.
0: it open. Okay. Yeah. Interpret this as <laughs> an aesthetic experience. Exactly. And then uh, tell a story to <laughs> tell your tell your children about it. I don't know. What you do. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Take care. Take Thanks, care. Tom. Thanks Thank for the you, question. Bye bye. Bye.